most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Backs, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the all-new Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my guy, Sean Kerner. And we're going to talk all about our final rankings today, Sean. Yeah, it looks like we're both repping the Bengals today. Um, wh- whose jersey do you got today? This is, uh, this is AJ Green, and I'm treating it like a throwback because AJ Green was done like three years ago. He was, <laughs> you know, his last productive season was was a while ago. So I'm very interested to see how he plays on the Cardinals because I actually was reading that their general manager Steve Kime said that before they acquired him, they went back and watched all of his targets from last year, and he had something like 38 were not even in the general vicinity. Now. To me, that's just like, yo, this dude ain't getting open, and so the quarterback kind of has to throw it away. But I don't know. Like, is there any chance of an A.J. bounce back, do you think? Uh, potentially. I wouldn't write it off. He's going cheap enough where if you want to throw a flyer out there, um, he might be worth it. But we can talk about that when we get to the Cardinals. And don't worry, we'll talk about uh, more than just the Bengals today. We will talk <laughs> about all 32 teams. So can't wait to dive in. Yeah, we're going to go team by team because if we just go by ADP, what ha- what's going to happen is we're going to get – way too in the weeds and kind of go like, we won't get out of like the third round. <laughs> There's so much Us to talk getting about. too into the weeds. No way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and we've, you know, we've done a couple of pods already. I hope you guys enjoyed them where we've kind of gone from the top of the board down. So we'll go team by team. I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, talk about guys where they are in our final ranks, any weight movers with the rosters being paired down to 53. Now we have that information. So uh, should be a good, Pod, and uh, let's kick it off with the AFC East. Let's start there, and let's start with the big news of these past 24 hours or so. Cam Newton, last year's starter for the Patriots, released that ushers in the Mac Jones era. It's official. He was the better quarterback all camp, according to pretty much every report. Obviously, best better quarterback in the preseason. Sean does this Mac Jones transition impact your ranks for the Patriots, especially Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers? Yeah, of course it does. And I, you know, heading into the season, I had them basically split. I had them both projected to start eight and a half games. Um, Obviously I didn't think they were both going to start eight and a half games. It it was just hard to uh, project this offense because it is going to be much different. It's also hard to start a half game. Well, yeah. That, well, I mean, a bench halfway through, like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Like, that's literally what my projections were. Um, but, you know, Cam Newton, he just absorbs all the fancy points. Um, so, you know, he tends to run with the ball a lot more, um, especially around the goal line. You know, he was stealing easy touchdowns for a guy like Damian Harris um, in, in the red zone. So, you know, Mac Jones. Um, he himself may not be a fantasy asset, but he makes everybody else around him better. Not because he's significantly better, but just because he's going to be throwing more. He's going to let the running backs 
um, score the goal line touchdown. So I, I boosted everybody up quite a bit. Um, and Damian Harris, honestly, is, is one of the biggest beneficiaries. And I mentioned this, I want to say back in June when we first started um, our 2021 pods is, you know, Damian Harris's stock could go way up if they happen to get rid of Sonny Michelle, which they did. They traded him away um, and then announced Mac Jones as a starter for week one. And that happened as well. So Damian Harris um, is all the way up to running back 27 for me. Unfortunately, I don't think he can go much higher because, you know, his receiving upside is capped due to James White. Um, but, you know, he, he's going to be a much higher floor play now with more rushing touchdown upside. I think he's the kind of guy that will be an RB2 whenever the Patriots are favored. Um, so I think this this helps Damian Harris out significantly, along with wide receivers. But I, I don't think any particular wide receiver is really worth drafting right now, per se. Um, you know, they probably need one of them to go down to become like a wide receiver three upside. And then you have both tight ends kind of canceling each other out a bit. So there's still a bunch of players kind of underneath the surface for the Patriots. So I'm not too high on the, the pass catchers, even though Mac Jones does boost them all. Yeah. So first of all, Mac Jones is significantly better than Cam Newton. Wow. Like, that, like Cam Newton threw eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions in 15 starts last year. Like running the ball, Cam yeah. Newton, sure. But in terms of a passer, Mac Jones is, is significantly better. I think um, I talked about this in our, in our round table, uh, that's up at actionnetwork.com right now. But one area I really think Mac Jones will help uh, the Patriots in the passing game is the play action game. Because remember, the Patriots do want to kind of lean on the run. They have a good defense. They'll have Damian Harris, who's not a big pass catcher. But the play fake could be really effective, you know, going to him. And Mac Jones was, you know, top five percentile in college in, in play action yards per attempt. Uh, and then this preseason, he went 10 of 12 for 148 yards that, on play action. That's 12.3 uh, yards per attempt. And he, uh, he had a PFF grade uh, in the top three out of a hundred passers who threw a, at least one play action throw. So uh, I think that's going to be a massive improvement. Cam was 29th in, in play action yards per attempt and only five quarterbacks last year actually had more interceptions than touchdowns on play action. And Cam was one of them. So uh, I think that's going to be big. And I think I actually do like Jacoby Myers for the Patriots. I have him as a kind of low end wide receiver four, and you can usually get him for free or as like a wide receiver five, six. Uh, he averaged over five catches over the last 11 games last season, even with Cam Newton in there. And I think, you know, with a guy like Mac Jones, who's just going to get the ball out quick, deliver accurate balls, you know, in stride to receivers. I think that really benefits uh, a guy like Jacoby Myers, who's shown he can be a, a volume guy already. And then, Aguilar is still going to be the lower percentage route runner. Like he he's gotten really good on those, you know, deep, deep kind of routes. And he can take advantage of, of some of those as, on play action as well. But I do think this significantly boosts uh, Meyer. So uh, I have him just inside the top 50 uh, for the Patriots. And then um, where do you have Matt Jones? Just curious. I, I have him, I think QB 29 or 30 right yep. around there. Right yep. around there, uh, QB 28. I wouldn't take him over like a Zach Wilson who mm-hmm. I have right around there. I think Zach Wilson has way more upside. I think Mac Jones, like I said, he's not a fancy asset himself, but he does make everybody else around him better. And not, not to defend Cam Newton too much here, but I think 2021 Cam Newton was going to be better than 2020 Cam Newton because, I mean, if you remember projecting this team last year, 
they really had nobody out of Jacoby Myers for some time. I mean, like Demary Bird was out there running wind sprints. I don't remember projecting a tight end for over one catch at all. Last yeah, yeah. Don Keenan, Devin Asiasi <laughs> broke my like target per route run model. It was <laughs> no, just like zero targets on infinite routes. Ryan Izzo was the only guy who's projecting like over yeah. a half a catch a game. So, I mean, just a significantly better uh, just receiving core. Um, so it, it, I think Mac Jones will help unlock that. But he himself, he doesn't have the rushing upside. This isn't going to be like a super high scoring offense. So I think he specifically is just, you know, just a deeper two QB super flex kind of bench dash kind of guy. Yeah, he's a nice cheap guy in yeah. in best ball, especially if you go at like Fields or Lance and you're not guaranteed 16 starts. Yeah. You can you can get a guy like Mac Jones as your QB3 and you should get those 16 starts barring injury. But yeah, he would have to I mean, he has the upside, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, but he would have to be like one of the most efficient pocket passers to even sniff the top 12, so He could be, but I mean, yeah. That's why he's he's cheap enough where you're going to get that upside if he hits anyway. But like you said, he does have a high floor because, you know, I'm projecting him for 16 and a half starts. Like yep. he's Same. not going to lose the job now. So, yeah. And I agree with the tight end. It's hard to pick between them, but they both did move up a couple ticks. You figure the Patriots won't run more than they passed this year, which they did with Newton. So, you know, everything's going up. You, you got team, more team pass attempts, more passing efficiency. So I think he, Johnu and Hunter Henry, they're mid to high end tight end twos now. I think before they were mid to low for me. So um, everyone's kind of moving all up. The tight end twos are getting hurt. So they've. Been, they've yeah. Been, our, our, uh, poor one out for our guy, Irv Smith, man. Uh, Looks like he's going to miss the season. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. Yeah. I just wanted to, to jump right in on the Patriots because that's been kind of the biggest news as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, let's go to the Buffalo Bills. And my biggest question, because I've gone back and forth on this and just little tweaks to these projections can shift things dramatically here. But who do you think is the best value uh, at, at ADP among the three wide receivers after digs? Is it Cole Beasley? Is it Gabriel Davis or is it Emmanuel Sanders uh, for you? I think it depends on your league and sort of where you're at later in the draft. Um, if you're in a deeper league, like PPR format, where you start, I don't know, four to five wide receivers, Cole Beasley um, is definitely the better value because he has such a high floor. Um, now his ceiling may be capped a bit. He's not like a touchdown scoring kind of guy. So I think Gabe Davis, um, you're probably getting the most bang for your buck at wide receiver 63. Um, in most formats, that's the range where I typically go for upside. And that's what he provides. You know, he could make a pretty big year two leap. Um, you know, he could start the season sort of um, sharing snaps targets with Emmanuel Sanders. But I think by the end of the year, Gabe Davis will be the wide receiver three. So I think in this range, I would say Gabe Davis. But again, I think Cole Beasley, especially at wide receiver 60 um, in ADP, definitely has the most value because of his floor. But it depends on your draft strategy. Yeah, uh, the reason I ask is because Gabe Davis in PPR formats generally comes out ranked the lowest, but I would still recommend taking him the most because I think he has the most upside. Remember, you're talking about a potential year two breakout candidate, not and not like a a, a super late round pick, like he was a middle round pick. Uh, I think he went in what. The, Fourth round, third or fourth? I, 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 I think remember. fourth. Yeah, yeah, in the fourth, right? So he's not like a super late round pick that 
you know, just lucked into some playing time last year. He's a legitimate <laughs> guy that they had plans, you know, they had legit plans for him. And uh, he ran 71, he, he played 71% of the snaps last year. Uh, John Brown was in and out of the lineup, but look at Emmanuel Sanders. He kind of profiles as the same type of player who could miss a, a little more time than your average player. Remember he had the injury a couple years ago and, um, you know, getting older is 34. So uh, I think Davis is still the guy for me. I do worry a little bit about this receiving room though, with the unvaccinated Cole Beasley in there. Cause <laughs> no, I mean, this is something yeah. like we have to kind of be, you know, obviously, you know, it's not, it's, yeah, it's no laughing matter. And it's yeah. a personal choice. I'm not judging any of the players, but I'm kind of on the urban Meyer side when it comes to managing my fantasy rosters. Like I need, I'm going to factor in these vaccine, these vaccinations, you know, that might dock like a, a couple of tenths of a projected game from, you know, some of these teams with the low vaccination rates. Uh, I think the bills, the Titans are one, the Colts, uh, that and it also just makes the, the AFC South really interesting, but uh, yeah, I just, just kind of wanted to talk those receivers for Buffalo. I think that's the the big question. We know, we know what we're getting with Josh Allen. We know what we're getting with Diggs, and we know Singletary and Moss are going to kind of still form a committee. Uh, they'll give you pretty solid RB three ish flex value most weeks, but hard to predict which one will go off when. So yeah. uh, the receivers are the, 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 is the toughest question. Uh, for me there. So uh, let's go on to the Miami Dolphins. And this one is another, this team is another interesting team because no player for the Miami Dolphins gets drafted in the high leverage rounds. You have Gaskin and Gesicki and Waddle and Parker and Fuller and they all go round six or later. Like maybe Miles Gaskin sneaks into the top five rounds. Maybe he goes around six, but usually these guys are all, you know, mid to late round picks. But you said yourself, you really like the prospects of Tua Tonga Vailoa in year two. So I'm curious as to when you look at your rankings and kind of look at where these guys are going. Uh, is this offense as a whole undervalued or are you targeting any specific players? Yeah, it, it probably is undervalued, but for good reason, because it's so crowded. Um, I mean, it's it's really hard to decipher between Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, all on that wide receiver 40 to 50 range. Um, I would think out of those three, Will Fuller offers the most upside. And again, this is the range where you're you're probably drafting your first bench slot. So why not shoot for the moon like a Will Fuller? Um, the fact that he's suspended week one really doesn't matter if he was going to be on your bench anyway. So I, I would go for Will Fuller out of these three. Obviously, Jalen Waddell has a ton of upside as a rookie. Um, and Devontae Parker might have the higher floor, but he's probably not going to win your league. Um, but again, I think you could pick on any of these guys. They're all pretty cheap. Um, they definitely need Tua to have a year or two leap. It's, it's not going to be possible for him to sustain too many fancy relevant players if he plays similar to way, the way he did last year. I'm very bullish on Tua, so I'm okay targeting these guys. Even like uh, Mike Jasicki at the end of the tight end one tier, I think if, if you punt at tight end and he's there later, you can take a flyer on him. But, you know, they might be a little bit inconsistent week to week because there are so many weapons on this offense. Um, but I think in general, it's it's smart to just take, you know, one flyer on a Dolphins pass catcher um, just to see if they hit. Like like you said, they're all pretty cheap, and they, you usually stash them on your bench. So um, they probably need one player to kind of get hurt to open up targets, but I think they are worth investing in. Yeah, Gasicki has been climbing up my ranks 
too, because he still projects as one of those tight ends that should be on the higher end of the league in routes run per game. He was around 72% uh, of the routes per uh, drop back last year. And I don't see any reason for that to change. So he, I still like him. Uh, I, I think Waddle actually has the most upside because he could give you one more game than Fuller of wide receiver potential. Like there's <laughs> yeah. potential like wide receiver two one production out of Waddle because he, you know, he's an unknown, but in that part of the draft, like once you, once you've drafted like your top three receivers and you're, you're going for a little bit more upside. Uh, I, I don't think that matters too much. So I like Fuller too. Uh, Parker's a guy I would rank the lowest because number one, there's been an infusion of talent on this team and with Waddle and Fuller. And so Parker's going to be that, I would think is going to be that X and kind of tethered to the line of scrimmage where you have like a guy like Waddle who's going to move around and get open and a guy like Fuller, who uh, I think is going to, you know, he, I think he also gets more separation than a guy like Parker. So I would say Parker has the most downside just based on how I think the routes will play out. Um, you know, if, the, if these guys are all running routes at the same time at full health. So, yeah, and ho- hopefully guys like Albert Wilson or Preston Williams don't kind of sneak into the rotation and mess this all up. Um, I'm, I'm expecting these three receivers to dominate, but you never know. Uh, th- there was some buzz about Albert Wilson potentially, um, you know, having some playing time, but I, I think he got banged up a bit. So, uh, <laughs> oh, as you per usual. Yeah, but he would be such a target hog. Uh, you know, you wouldn't draft him, but he would kind of ruin one of these receivers value week to week and make it messy. But um, I think the, th- the three receivers we talked about should be playing most of the snaps. Again, th- they might not be consistent, but they're going to give you enough uh, good weeks to be worth it at ADP. Yeah. And I think the way it kind of shakes out now is Wilson would kind of be Waddle's direct backup. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think he, he, he'll still get some snaps. You know, he put some stress on the defense. He can put him in motion. And then I, I think Williams profiles as Parker's direct backup. Uh, you know, or both Fuller and Parker's direct backup. So uh, yeah. that I think that's how it will end up going. But yeah, I, I like Waddle, like Fuller. I think both of those guys uh, are cheap enough to, mm-hmm. to justify the cost. Uh, let's go to the New York Jets. And this is obviously the team projected to be the worst in this division. So my question is this, who's the best, fantasy value on this team do you think is it Corey davis going in that wide receiver four range or elijah moore the rookie also going in that range jamison crowder you can get pretty late uh michael carter is in that you know rb3 adp range kevin coleman ty johnson also will mix in and then of course zach wilson you can get you know as a low-end qb2 so who do you think is the best value uh for this team it's it's tough because I think Corey Davis used to be the best value. I think he was being drafted around like wide receiver 50. You actually started calling him out yeah. pretty early in the offseason. Now it's all the way up to wide receiver 40. That's about where he should be. But, you know, Zach Wilson does look really good. So th- I think this is a passing offense we shouldn't ignore. So that's why I think Elijah Moore at wide receiver 55 is his current ADP. I think he's probably the best bet at ADP. Again, this is the range where he's going to be, be on your bench anyway. So why not shoot for the upside? Um, I'm very bullish on him as a rookie. I think he's going to hit the ground running. He could end up being Zach Wilson's favorite target. We'll we'll see. You know, Corey Davis is going to draw, you know, the, usually the top cornerback, the attention from the defense. So Elijah Moore could benefit. Um, and I think, you know, the the injury that Moore dealt with in camp sort of kept his, it kept his ADP in check. We didn't get to see those highlights in the preseason. I thought you were going to get. So I think Moore is still a little bit under the radar. So that's why I think he's the best value right now. 
Yeah, I, for me, it's a tie between Corey Davis and Moore. Uh, I'm not going to I'm still not going to write off Corey Davis because he's still going outside that top. You know, you, you don't have to draft him as a top three starter receipt receiver on your fantasy team. And I always kind of target those guys in that wide receiver four range who could end up being the air yard leader for their team. And Corey Davis, you know, even if Elijah Moore actually gets more targets, I have Elijah Moore projected for a little bit lower of an A dot. I know he's making strides to the outside receiver, but he's kind of a guy that, you know, should run routes a little closer to the line of scrimmage. He's played a lot of slot in school. I think he will play on the outside because the Jets also have Crowder, but uh, Corey Davis, remember that one year in Tennessee, I think it was year two for him when he had like a 40% air yard share because they had nobody else. I mean, that that's kind of the ceiling for yeah. Corey Davis this year with Zach Wilson, who can get the ball down the field. So now I don't think they'll have much time to throw. So that that is a benefit to a more because the Jets O-line, I mean, each it, it's one of those O-lines that's right up there with the Giants, I think, is as shaky, you know, outside of Becton. But uh, yeah, I, I like Davis and I like more. Uh, Davis is is – my wide receiver 40 right now. So yeah, like you said, right, right on the ADP. Um, but because Moore has the low a dot, I, I still have him as wide receiver 64. So I still, and kind of the uncertainty with, you know, is how many snaps is Crowder going to get Are Mims yeah. and Cole going to factor in. They will, they should be a four wide team though, after they released every single tight end they had <laughs> yeah, seriously. Tyler Croft. What is up with that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I was really surprised that they, they let Kenny uh, Yaboa, go through, you know, go through waivers after he had that big game in the last preseason game. I thought they were just going to straight up trade or cut Herndon and keep Yaboa and, and Croft and do mm. it that way. But uh, we'll see if that, I don't know if he's been re-signed to the practice squad yet or what, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think uh, Elijah Moore, he's kind of on that. Like if there's 64, you know, every team's top two receivers, he's right at the bottom of that for me, just because uh, there's a little bit of uncertainty, but his ceiling is so high and you're at, at that pick range you can afford the risk. So it's a tie between Davis and Moore for me. And I still love Michael Carter. I, I still think he emerges. As yeah, I was going to ask, are, are you nervous at all? Like it's still sort of, uh, I mean, they cut Josh Adams, which, you know, removes one player from this. That, 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 I mean, they were never going to keep five back. Obviously, so. <laughs> Carter is the most, yeah, obviously Carter's most talented back, but still a four-way sort of timeshare on a bad team with a bad O-line. Like, should he be going wide receiver, uh, running back 35? I right think now, so. Like, I, yeah. So one thing I did was uh, in preparation for, you know, this pod and just kind of the final rankings and getting ready for the season was I went back to my 2020 spreadsheet mm-hmm. and it, for rankings, you know, my projections. And I kind of just did an audit and highlighted every guy that I was either too high on or too low on, you know, significantly so that it would have an impact in, in fantasy for, for people, you know, drafting off the rankings. And one of the, you know, for guys I was too low on at running back, one of the major factors was um, like 38% of all running backs like that I kind of missed on because I was too low. It was because they were, you know, either a, a rookie or a year two guy in in a backfield with, you know, some other veterans that, you know, it looked crowded at the time, but the rookie generally is going to rise to the top. I mean, remember starting last year, it was like, okay, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack are going to split snaps and you still have uh, Naeem Hines. Uh, it was, you know, DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson and carry on Johnson. Yeah. Like, and all these guys kind of rise to the, the cream rises to the top eventually 
this is Robert Sala's first go around. So he's, he's going to give some carries to Tevin Coleman, his old friend from San Fran. And I'm sure Ty Johnson will finally, will probably end up as a number two in the long term because he's better than Coleman, I think so. But Carter, I mean, he's still his, the best one. So. His value is only going to go up. Right, a, exactly. And that's what I kind of, yeah. that's, it's like year two receivers and rookie receivers to an extent, just because of their ADPs um, outside the, the ones that go in the first round of, of the real draft. Like those are the most bankable assets in fantasy that you can kind of really beat ADP with rookie running backs and year two wide receivers. So I don't mind taking, you know, Javante Williams, Ray Sermon, Michael Carter at, at whatever their different prices are, because I feel like the value is only going to go up. It's going to be, it's going to be tough for them to really kill me at that, at their ADPs. Yeah. At worst, they'll kind of be like a, in, in a committee and hit value or fall no worse than like running back three, which you're, you know, you'll deal with that floor when you're taking them as a running back two or three anyway. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, if you're listening right now and you take Michael Carter and he stinks the first couple of weeks, which could happen, uh, don't drop him. Keep Yeah. Him. Remember here's I mean, it's not uh, exact uh, apples to apples, but I will say this. Heading into week one last season, even after like a couple weeks last season, Justin Jefferson was splitting snaps on a low volume pass <laughs> offense with Ola BC Johnson. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Justin Jefferson ended up with 1400 yards. Like that's what I say that the cream will rise to the top. And that's going to kind of be a theme for me with, you know, guys I'm high on is just young guys who you're kind of looking at the depth chart in week one and you're saying, okay, you know, I kind of have to split these snaps up in my projections because I don't know exactly who is going to rise to the top. And generally the answer is <laughs> the younger guy, the guy, yeah. the rookie or the year two guy, the guy with more talent, you know, whatever it is, even if he's behind another guy in a depth chart, you have to be thinking season long projections with these. And, and yeah, that's a great point. Um, if uh, you should be willing for, for these high upside guys to keep them on your bench for a few weeks, you know, obviously, depending on your roster size and what happens with injuries, you might have to, to get, give up a couple guys, but I would treat it just like these teams are treating these roster cuts. Like if you need to stash a guy, you know, do what you have to do to stash a guy and, and don't give up after uh, a week. Cause you, if you're, you should be drafting good starters. If you're listening to this podcast, your starter should be good. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's yeah. Ideally, ideally, you know, we might have a, a whiff here and there, but hopefully uh, we're plus EV on the, on the season. So Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is an all-new segment that we've been doing called Elite Entries, where Sean and I dive into the Prize Picks app and compare our player projections to the props and build some entries for listeners unfamiliar with Prize Picks. It's a super simple way to play DFS. Prize Picks offers a bunch of fantasy and props over under markets for both daily and season long like Zeke Elliott rushing yards for the season or Josh Allen week one fantasy points. You choose the picks you like and you build your entry. You can go with two, three, four, or even five picks. And your payout is based on how big your lineup is and how much you risk. For example, if you choose two props uh, like Zeke under and uh, Josh Allen over and they both hit, you get three times your entry fee. But if you build an entry with four props, you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. So Sean and I like to use our projections to identify markets we like in the prize picks app. And we're going to look at three today. Sean, what is your first prize pick? Uh, so hopefully you listened to my advice a couple weeks ago and built some entries around Gus Edwards over 600 rushing yards. Um, 
It is now up to 850 and a half rushing yards due to uh, J.K. Dobbins' season injury. I still think this is too low. Um, I'm projecting him close to 1,000 yards, so I would actually pick this up to about 925 rushing yards. So I still think we still we have some value here at 850, so I love the over. Yep, I have Gus Edwards over 900 yards uh, in my model as well. So I like that one. Uh, for mine, I'm going with Jets running back Michael Carter over 575 and a half rushing yards. Again, I think there's been some pessimism after there was a backfield committee in the preseason. And well, I do think the other backs will mix in. The cream always rises to the top and that cream is Carter. He's great uh, in the pass game. He's great in the run game. And uh, this is a really low bar to clear. So I have him well over 600 uh, rushing yards on the season. And that's with a pretty conservative projection. So I love the over 575 and a half. Who's your final prize pick entry for this week, Sean? So I'm diving into the week one pool here. I I just came out with my initial week one projections. Um, So I'm going with the Justin Herbert under 274 and a half passing yards week one. Um, They're at Washington. Uh, So this is going to be a really tough test to begin the season. Um, He's under a new system, under new offensive quarter, uh, Joe Lombardi. So, you know, he might take a couple weeks to kind of get familiar with the system, really get going. This is a really tough test week one. Um, And Justin Herbert benefited his rookie season, not having to play away games in front of, you know, maximum capacity crowds. So, you know, maybe he's a little rattled week one when they have a full crowd there. So I, I love the under here. I'm projecting this closer uh, to 260. So I would I would pick this down to about 270 or so. Yeah, I like that Herbert call. Washington is a tough defense to move the ball against. So like that one as well. And that's going to do it for our elite entry for today. Again, we're going with Gus Edwards over 850 and a half rushing yards for the season. Michael Carter over 575 and a half rushing yards for the season. And Justin Herbert under 274 and a half passing yards in week one. As a reminder, prize picks markets do move. So you want to be nimble to lock in those numbers before they are on the move. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, check out the link in our episode description. They will match your first deposit up to $100 or visit prizepicks.com and use the promo code ACTION10. That's ACTION10 at prizepicks.com. Okay. Back to the fantasy flex. Uh, Let's keep it going here with the AFC North. And let's start in Baltimore because J.K. Dobbins goes down. I was lucky enough to be on the best ball charity league around the time. So I gobbled up Tyson Williams, who could very well inherit the Gus Edwards role. Well, Edwards inherits the Dobbins role. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the reports at a camp have been that Justice Hill has been leapfrogged by Williams even before this, you know, Dobbins news, which kind of, warrants the the runner more than the receiver which is uh you know a justice hill so um i don't know i, I like i like williams as a deep sleeper um but where do you have gus i guess is my is my big question yeah so i have gus up to rb 21 right now Ooh, um, that's i think that's even higher than i, I thought i was high on him. oh yeah no i beat you probably <laughs> and that's that's honestly like his ceiling I, I don't think he can go too much higher 
Um, unless you, you really do think he's going to inherit the Dobbins role. Um, I, I just don't think. I do. What else could he, not, like, why else? I mean, I don't mean well, the I Dobbins mean role of, like, catcher, what we like, were projecting. Oh, I mean, yeah, he will. I think, I think that's where they'll kind of split it up between yeah. him, you know, Williams, Hill. But um, in terms of carries, yeah, I have him pretty much inheriting. Oh, yeah. I have him 13 carries a game. Yeah, no, that's why I have him RB21. I think he's he's a good bet for a thousand yard rush season with eight to 10 uh, rushing scores. So, you know, his ceiling will be dictated by how involved they'll get him in, you know, the passing game. But I think he's a safe bet. Um, you could probably get him RB23 to RB25 right now, I would assume. Um, so he's, he's a pretty good RB2, RB3 kind of guy. Um, obviously, he takes a hit in any sort of PPR format. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you on Williams as being a high upside backup. Like this is the Ravens. So we're very interested in the backup running backs. I mean, even if Edwards were to stay healthy, like you said, Williams could carve out an every week role and provide flex value at times. Um, but, you know, Justice still is still there. He could eat into that a bit. But I think either one, if you're desperate for a high upside flyer, can't go wrong with either. Because again, this this Ravens team, even though they're talking about throwing the ball more, they're definitely going to be probably the most run heavy team in the league. So we're, we're definitely interested in his running backs and Edwards. I mean, I, I got him. I was getting him when he was RB 40. Oh yeah. Honest. But um, now I'm in draft still. I think he's still being underrated, but just because I think he has such a high floor. So I love, I love getting Edwards. Yeah. I have a ton of Gus Edwards and, and uh, James Robinson in best ball. So oh, wow. that's been worked. That's worked out I, just pure luck, but this is why you draft these kind of guys. Yeah. And I, to be honest, as a fan, I would have loved to have seen JK Dobbins and Travis Etienne play this year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but yeah, Edwards always had that sort of upside, even if Dobbins is healthy. Um, so now that Dobbins is out, I mean, this is basically his backfield now. Yeah. I have him RB 21 in standard. 23 and a half PPR, 25 in PPR. So you do see the, the progressive yeah. downgrade in PPR formats. And that's because he averages only about 9% targets per route run. So even if he's on the field and, and is not pass blocking, they let him run some routes. Uh, Lamar is usually not looking for the backs uh, yeah. out there. Although, I mean, he hasn't practiced with any of his receivers except <laughs> like James Prochet. So... You know, who knows where he's going to look this year. So uh, the passing game is and I do want to quickly talk about the passing game before we move on, because I mean, I my Marquise Brown rankings, I feel like have jumped all over the map. You know, he's been out. He's but he seems like he could be a target hog if he's just healthy, along with Andrews. But he hasn't been practicing. So I have him 48th in half PPR. I have him missing an extra half a game compared to the, you know, the normal receivers I give 16. I have Brown at 15 and a half. Where, where are you on, on Brown in particular? Oh, Marquise Brown. Um, yeah, he should be go good to go for week one. So I've um, boosted him back up. He, he dropped all the way down to like wide receiver 50. I think it was mm-hmm. um, when he was questionable. Now he's back up to wide receiver 44 okay. um, for me. I think, you know, his upside is worth taking at that range you know, Bateman is supposed to miss like the first month. Right. So um, I I think that as long as Sammy Watkins is healthy and Brown can have some other wide receiver to kind of take some of the coverage away, I think it's going to help Brown. Um, But this passing offense in general, um, I'm less bullish on than I was say two months ago Yeah, because of all the injuries and the lack of practice time. Like they'll probably get off to a slow start, but we'll see by, by the fantasy playoffs, this offense could be, um, in rhythm and you know guys like Bateman could still break out later in the season so I, I wouldn't count 
a guy like Lamar Jackson out quite yet from having like an overall QB one season. If anything, if he runs more to begin the season, you know, he's going to have uh, pretty big weeks, but th- this passing offense should get better as the season goes on. Yeah. And I don't mind drafting Brown because you at least get Vegas week one. So, you know, yeah. they might, they might start hot, you know, even though I, I I'm totally with you. I think I am concerned about the lack of, uh, time that Lamar has had with his pass catchers because Lamar, I think, needs that time. He still has uh, ways to go as a passer yep. to truly unlock his, his upside. Uh, let's go to the Cleveland Browns. I think the big question here is how confident and we are in Odell Beckham Jr. Because we, you don't like to put the injury-prone label on guys, especially non-running backs. It's just so hard to predict. But Odell has missed time pretty consistently in in most of these last few seasons uh, except one so I have him wide receiver 27 in half PPR right now uh, where are you on OBJ yeah I'm right there with you I have him wide receiver 26 so I think you know the fact that he's being drafted like wide receiver 30 in that range we don't have to be that confident with him like he does have that upside um, to be you know potential wide receiver one probably not in this offense um, but it's there. And yeah, he's dealt with injuries the past couple seasons, but you know, he, he was playing through injury. Uh, I think it was what 2019 he was playing through hernia. Um, so yeah. you know, he, he's for all we know, hundred percent entering this year. So maybe, you know, we haven't seen him play at hundred percent for a few seasons. Um, so I do like taking Beckham in this range, especially when you consider, you know, a guy like Kenny Galladay is going this range. We don't even know if he's healthy. Um, there, there's a little bit more risk with these other receivers where I don't think Beckham is that risky at all. Cause we know what we're going to get, you know, he's sort of the, uh, play action and deep threat in this offense. Um, so he's going to have some big games. Yes. He might be inconsistent, but again, in this wide receiver 30 range, we're not asking for every week wide receiver one output from him. So I think just given his upside, he's worth taking a flyer on in this range. Yeah. And remember, this is the first full year. If he stays healthy, uh, that we're going to see him in this Fansky offense as opposed yep. to the Freddie Kitchens offense. And I, I thought Stefanski did a good job of keeping Odell involved. And, and I went back and watched him, you know, over those first six games last year, and he looked good. He looked explosive. Mm-hmm. He was involved in the offense. I mean, he had 10 targets in, in week one uh, of last year. Unfortunately, they came against Baltimore, so uh, it didn't turn into much. Uh, the next week, he goes 474 with a touchdown. Uh, four for 59. Then he has the big game against Dallas with the 81 yards and, and two touchdowns receiving and uh, uh, another 73 yards on the ground in, in, in a touchdown. So, I mean, he has that, you know, 81 yard receiving 73 on the ground and three combined touchdowns. Like that's the kind of upside you're getting with Odell Beckham, still a talented player. So I've been getting a lot of him too, uh, because yeah, I do have him a, a little bit higher than, than ADP. Uh, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think we've kind of settled on the fact that Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith Schuster are all kind of wide receiver twos. Um, you know, some Juju, I think goes as a wide receiver three, four sometimes. So I, I do get a lot of him, but I think the bigger question is, given we have never seen him on an NFL field or, you know, in in a regular season is Najee Harris. What kind of workload do you think he ends up with and where does that put him in your ranks? I mean, he'll be the true workhorse back. Um, 
the only concern with him is the offensive line. And I think, you know, if he were to struggle due to that, they might throw him even more. So I think he has a very safe floor. Like they're going to use him no matter what. So he's a high end RB2. Like he's the top RB2. Um, I have him just behind the tier with like Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson. I think once those guys once those guys are off the board, um, you definitely want to target Harris. Um, I, I wouldn't really consider him over those guys. I think they do have a higher ceiling. But, you know, we're in the range where uh, volume is king for running back, and he's going to be a king. I, I don't see how they give Benny Snell or McFarlane. I think McFarlane got hurt. but um, yeah, He should start the year on short-term IR. Yeah, so, I mean, this is Najee Harris's backfield. Um, and I, I'm pretty bullish on the Steelers' offense this year, despite the O-line. So I think he'll benefit from that, score some goal line score. So, yeah, I think he's a high, high-end RB2. Yeah, I actually have him 12th. So I have him as a low-end RB1 right on that borderline. I would take him over any of those guys. I have him ahead of Gibson, actually, because oh, I Gibson think he does have a higher ceiling because I think he he can be a – 25 touch guy. I don't, I don't think they need Gibson to be that guy in Washington because you have McKissick, you know, he's going to take routes uh, and you have Jarrett Patterson who they like a lot. So I think like Mixon and Harris, people I think are a little worried about because of the O lines, which is justifiable. Uh, but these guys have legit like 20 plus touch per week upside that I think, you know, when you start getting into like a Gibson or Edwards, Elaire, like that, you know, it's a little, it's there, but it's not. I don't think the, the it's as high in terms of the ceiling. So uh, I, I like Najee Harris a lot. Wait, Peyton Barber getting cut by Washington didn't boost your um, rushing touchdowns for Antonio Gibson. No, nah, because I already had Barber getting like you know that one half that half carry per game or something. Yeah. So it really just it just boosted up Jarrett Patterson even more, yeah. who I love as a deep sleeper because if if Gibson gets hurt, I think it's straight to Patterson, not. Yep to uh to mckissick because or they would have just you know they would have kept barber if they were concerned if they didn't want to complete back like that so but yeah that was more of a joke for i i what's your uh rushing touchdown projection for gibson i i just think he's he's a legit goal line back so that's why i probably have him over harris uh let's see so i have harris with 7.1 rushing touchdowns gibson i have at Eight four. So yeah, I do have Gibson with about a one point three more touchdowns uh, on about fifteen less carries, fifteen to twenty less carries. So yeah, I, I'm, I respect Gibson's touchdown upside. I just think, uh, you know, we're looking at ceilings here, and I, I I think Paris could be that Le'Veon Bell type workload. Whereas Gibson, you're still going to get some McKissick, and you know, if if there's an injury, I think you know Patterson's still in looming. So. That's all. Like nothing against Gibson. Like these, yeah, this, no, this is just a tier. It's just a tier of guys. Exactly. We're nitpicking like two fancy points here, but I think yeah. Gibson's upside is if a McKissick goes down. I mean, we know Gibson could be a pass catching back. He, you know, he's a converted wide receiver. So I think his upside is, you know, we've heard a potential like poor man CMC. That's that's where I think the upside's coming in. For my angle, is like his receiving usage could go up. Um, yeah. That's the only thing missing from his game, but. Harris is already the workhorse back. So right. I agree that he does have a massive ceiling. If, if the Steelers offense scores a ton of points this year, Harris will be an RB one. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of at the point with the Steelers that I don't think it can be any worse than last year. You know, you pointed out as yeah. you know, a lot of people have kind of seen now that Ben Roethlisberger looks a lot better uh, in, you know, in terms of the arm strength and that's going to be hugely beneficial 
to everything the Steelers are trying to do. And they were still a pretty profitable fantasy offense last year. I mean, Ben threw what, 33 touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just, you know, they couldn't punch it in around the goal line, but that's why they went out and get a guy like Najee Harris, the big guy who, uh, you know, can run even without perfect conditions because he can get yardage after first contact. That's what's key. That's what he did in school. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I trust Najee. I think there's the only thing that can go wrong is an, is an injury. I think he's going to be uh, a, a huge workhorse. So uh, I don't, I don't kind of knock him compared to some of those other guys, but uh, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals, the, the team of the hats Yes, <laughs> that, uh, you know, that we both copped. Um, yeah, that's, I didn't know you had that this hat either. Like I, I copped it a few days ago. I still got all the stickers on it. Um, you know, that's that's kind of how we do in New York. Some people make fun of it or they, they make fun because we got the flat brims instead of, you know, <laughs> curving it. Like you, like you always say, like the dad hats. But um, this is what we do in New York, man. So and I know this is what you do out here, too. Yes. So don't knock it, man. Kind of stay fresh over here. Leave those stickers on until Chase scores his first touchdown. <laughs> you know, so the only reason that I ever take stickers off is because uh, it depends on the, the hat. But sometimes if you leave it on too long and then it, it does come off or it does get messed up. So you have to take it off. It has that little circle. You know oh. what I mean? Cause like, so like I, I am careful depending on the color of the hat. I kind of have a feel for it of which stickers I just want to take off immediately. So I don't get that, you know, discoloration, yeah. um, the little tan line or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I, I like leaving them on. I usually, I usually just, just buy a new hat if I if the yeah, that's true. I usually just wrap them <laughs> off immediately. But that's, that's I mean that's a smart play to, to completely <laughs> avoid the the tan line. Yeah. But you know, uh, yeah, Jamar Chase. I think that's the the interesting question, and I'll pose it to you this way: Jamar Chase or Tyra Boyd? Jamar Chase goes in the wide receiver two range. Tyra Boyd usually can be had as a wide receiver three or four in ADP, who's the better value? Well, you know, considering Jamar Chase's ADP has slipped quite a bit, I think he's all the way down to wide receiver 28. I would still go with Chase. Um, you know, I think Tyler Boyd probably has a higher floor, especially to begin the season. I think Tyler Boyd, Boyd may outscore Chase the first few games. But, you know, I'm interested in winning my fantasy football league, and I think Jamar Chase will be a wide receiver too come fancy playoff time. So that's why I think Chase is the better value. Um, you know, he's dropped his last four passes in the preseason. He's looked a little bit rusty. He sat out the entire 2020 season. Um, so, you know, he's going to be a bit rusty. I kind of anticipated that. So that's what I, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, his ADP has dropped because of the struggles, but I kind of anticipated those. So I'm still on board Jamar Chase. I still, I haven't ranked wide receiver 24 right now. Higgins is just ahead of him. But Boyd's the kind of guy where he he's high floor guy. He probably won't win your league. Um, so that's why I'm more interested in Chase. Yeah, I have Higgins wide receiver 20, Chase wide receiver 30, Boyd 37. Uh, so given ADP, my 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 guy is actually, I know I didn't put Higgins in the conversation, but Higgins yeah, probably is Higgins. actually the guy for me. I think he has the best chance of winning your, your yeah. league. Number one, because he's just farther along. Uh, you know, he has that extra year of chemistry with Burrow. And uh, I think he's ev- like, he's everything that we want Chase to be already um, to the point where you talk about a guy that, you know, we think of Chase, okay, first rounder, put up huge, huge numbers in college. So, you know, he has that wide receiver one upside. So does Higgins. Like, yep. <laughs> so does Higgins and he's more established and hasn't been dropping passes all crazy. And uh, <laughs> you know, Tyra yeah. Boyd, 
I do agree. I think pretty much a PPR guy for me, he's in, he's 32nd in full PPR for mm-hmm. me. And um, I think it's very valuable because week in week out, you should count on him to run 80 plus percent of the, the routes and catch, you know, four or five balls, which is very valuable. And when you have to choose a starting lineup in best ball, that's where I think if you want to target chase, uh, instead of the safer guy in Boyd, I think that's where you do it. But I would, I, I'm, I'm just saying, please draft T. Higgins over yes. Jamar Chase. Like that's the one that I don't think is the plus EV move is drafting Chase when Higgins is still on the board. That's yeah. that's what I haven't done at all this entire draft you, season. You didn't give me the choice, but I agree with you that T. Higgins is the best uh, value out of the three. And I will say that uh, upon your your tip, uh, I went and and raised up CJ Uzoma yes. uh, to the, to the one Cause I had him splitting. Cause I just didn't know what was going on there. In Cincy, oh. But I, I have looked into it and it does appear that Usoma is going to be the starter. He had a lot, he had good chemistry with Burrow. So I, I raised him up to, you know, put being the, the clear tight end one with sample, the clear tight end two. So Usoma is actually my tight end 26 now. So Ooh, you're in a two tight end league or, or a deep, uh, you know, deep best ball, whatever, uh, He's viable at the end there, you know. Uh, I'm glad you finally came around to Uzoma. You're not projecting him for over 50 receptions, are you? I read that article, too. Yeah, talking about the one in the <laughs> athletic. <laughs> but, yeah, they want five guys to have 50-plus or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they threw him in there. He, he's not quite there for me, but I'm curious where you have him. Uh, I have him 55% of the routes per game. Uh, on the season, 41 catches on 58 targets for 410 yeah. yards. I, I have 41 catches as well. That, that can wrap up our C.J. Uzoma. Yeah, I mean, no, we, we have the Bengals uh, hats on, so we got to go through. Matter of fact, yes, that's true. Uh, I will say this deep sweeper, PPR sweeper. I know if we had the sweepers pod. I think I chose Boston Scott. I'd probably go Kenny Gainwell now over him because I think he's kind of emerged and he's, you know, the rookie. Um, but I will say this if there's anyone that could pop out of nowhere and have like a JD McKissick, you know, just a mm. bunch of receptions out of, out of the blue, Chris Evans, the. Number two back on the Bengals. He's a rookie. Uh, he's going to play that Gio Bernard role. It looks like they released uh, Puka Williams, another guy that potentially could have factored into that backfield. They still have Pirine, but he's not really uh, a great pass catching back. You, you, you're fine with giving him some carries. He can run inside the tackles. But Evans could be that, you know, satellite back that you get for free and could keep you afloat on some tough bye weeks or injury weeks. So um, I, I have him uh, – running back 63 in half PPR 57 in full PPR. So, you know, if you're in a league that's 12 teams deep and you're drafting, you know, five, six running backs, I think he's worth a pick and he's not yeah. usually getting picked. So yeah, love that. Love that call. Um, and I'll throw it since we're both wearing Bengals hats, I'll throw out my sleeper pick on this team. And that's Auden Tate, that wide receiver. Um, I mean, if either Boyd Higgins or chase goes down, he could be an 80% snaps a game kind of guy. Uh, this, you know, this offense is sort of designed off of the McVay scheme. And I always loved rostering Josh Reynolds late in drafts because, um, you know, if either Cooper Cup, Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks went down, Josh Reynolds had some wide receiver three value. So that's why Auden Tate, I think, is in a deeper league, you know, a good bench stash because any one of these guys go down and he could potentially be like a wide receiver four flex kind of guy. So he's my sleeper. What do you have Mixon? I have him RB11. I seem to be higher than consensus. Uh, where oh, are you? yeah. I I think I have him uh, number 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm very high on Mixon. So he's got to stay healthy. But, um, yeah, if he does, watch out. Yeah, Gio Bernard, 
got like four carries combined in, in, in the first five games where Mixon was healthy. Yeah. So Evans would be even higher if Mixon wasn't getting such a huge carry share, but they're going to feed this guy as long as he's on the field. So uh, I think Mixon goes a little bit, a little bit too low, or he just like people kind of hate on him compared to some of those other guys. Whereas I, I think he has a higher ceiling yeah. than most. And like, he's to me, he's no more risky than Saquon Barkley. And yet Barkley usually goes well ahead of him. And, and I think Mixon, even if they're both healthy, has a decent shot exactly. to, to outscore Barkley. So like, like Joe Mixon. So I think we've hit on every Bengal. Love Joe Burrow too. If you wait on quarterback, yeah. Joe Burrow, love him. <laughs> Average 40.4 attempts per game uh, last season. So, yeah, got lots to like with this Bengals offense. Yes. They just need to make sure they can protect, uh, and they may not be able to uh, that great, but that, uh, they'll, they'll put them behind the sticks, and they'll still get a lot of PPR points. So should be a, a profitable fantasy offense either way. Speaking of profitable fantasy offenses – the Houston Texans don't look like one, so I want to actually start with them just because <laughs> – my question to you is, will anyone have value on this team? Uh, yeah, I think Brandon Cooks certainly has value. Um, he's going to be the number one target in this offense, as bad it will as it will be. Um, I think he has some wide receiver three potential. So I, I do like targeting him at ADP. And then Nico Collins, oh, um, yeah. you know, as the wide receiver two in this offense has value. They're going to have so many trailing game scripts that they're going to have to throw. Um, Tyrod Taylor certainly lowers their ceiling, but you can't go wrong with either one of these guys at ADP, especially after they got rid of Randall Cobb and now they cut Kiki QT. Um, Anthony Miller, who they traded for, is banged up. So I think that, you know, the offense is going to go through these two wideouts. So I, I do think they'll have some fantasy value. Outside of that, I want nothing to do with them. Um, I, I think you might have a case for Philip Lindsay. I'm out. Uh, Jordan Akins, I'm out. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I'm out. I, I'm just interested in Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins in deeper leagues. Yeah, Brandon Cooks has some appeal because he could be that air yards leader on you know on a t- on on his team and yeah. by a, by a wide amount. It's frustrating because usually roster cuts are like, yes, we can finally kind of delete the scrubs <laughs> and, and finalize our like usage projections for each team. And the Texans are one of the first teams I remember in a long time that roster cut day just made their projections more confusing because they released or cut or, or, or like every, or, or got a guy hurt at every slot receiver, every slot receiver they have is somehow not on the roster anymore. They traded Randall Cobb, <laughs> Miller got hurt. Uh, yeah. They released QT and they released Alex Erickson. Like they have literally zero slot receivers. They had Coulter and they had Deandre Carter. They had yeah. at one time they had eight slot receivers. Now they have zero. So like who plays the slot? Like what is the assuming they don't add like I think Erickson has his five years, so maybe they could bring him back, you know, after they do their injury um, reserve things. But like who, assuming they have Cooks, Collins, Conley, and Miller's hurt, and Roberts is you know active for return duties, who starts and who's is their starting lineup just Cooks, Collins, and Conley with one of those guys in the slot? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, Anthony Miller might be available week one. Um, how about David Johnson? I mean, they, they seem to have no use for him in the running game. Are they secretly planning to make him the slot receiver? I don't know, but him or Brevin Jordan, then the rookie tight end. Or, yeah, that, two tight know, end sets is, yeah. Two tight end sets is certainly an option, but um, either way, I want nothing to do with whoever this wide receiver three is in this offense. Um, but yeah, Nico Collins, I think he, he could get off to a slow start. I'm not saying draft him necessarily, but keep him on your radar. I think by the end of the season, um, he should be the number two target and definitely has potential 
um, to tear it up. So he, he's the sleeper guy on this team. Give me your Lindsey Johnson Ingram rankings. Oh, God. Uh, probably Lindsey and then Johnson and then Ingram. No, what, like, yeah, what are their actual, like, what are your, what, like, the, the rankings, I mean? Like, so what? I have, this is the kind of backfield rankings don't even matter. Um, right now I have Lindsey, 49, probably worth drafting a little bit higher because he should be the week one starter. Um, and then I have Johnson a little bit higher because I think he does have that receiving role locked up. So I have DJ uh, running back 45. And then I have Mark Ingram all the way down at like running back 70. But apparently he's looked good and he's mixing in. So, I mean, if you want to take a flyer on these guys, go for it. But um, it's it's a disaster, especially with like Rex Burkhead factored in. You, you don't want to invest in running backs on bad teams. You don't want to invest in three to four-way running back committees, and the Texans have both. So that's why I'm completely out on these backs. Yeah, I have Lindsey 46, Ingram 52, Johnson 58. So I, I have Johnson getting the third most ca- – like the least carries of the top three guys uh, because that would make sense. And then Cully, he has connections <laughs> with Ingram because Cully was in Baltimore. So the fact that he brought him over and then – He's looks to be factoring in. I think that, you know, that could play a role here because it's not like anyone's running away with the job. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's a real profitable situation, but you know, there are people in deeper leagues who might need, or you just might, you know, might need a running back um, early in the season. Maybe somebody gets hurt. So that that's kind of how I have them ranked, but uh, don't feel great anymore about it. Just, just too much confusion there. Let's go to the, speaking of confusion, the Colts, <laughs> Uh, T.Y. Hilton has been placed on short-term injured reserve with a neck injury, but uh, you and I were talking before the show, this might not just be, oh, he misses three games. This might be he misses that entire, you know, three games and then the three-week window that they have to activate him. So I have T.Y. projected for 10 games. He's outside of my top 80 wide receivers right now. Uh, so where are you, is there any value, I guess, in this pass catching corpse? Because you also have, we don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. This is an unvax. This is a team with a low vaccination rate. So, I mean, what are you doing with these, with these, uh, Colts? Uh, I think Pittman is still the guy to target. Um, he should be the number one option. Certainly could be the, the red zone threat that, you know, Wentz, when Wentz is healthy, uh, that he leans on in the red zone. So Pittman's my guy, I think Paris Campbell has a ton of upside, so he's another guy I would target later in the drafts. And then, as always, Zach Pascal will weasel his way into fancy relevance this year again. Um, another guy where he, he could have some um, touchdown spike games. But either way, I think you know Pittman's probably the only guy I'm actively targeting in drafts because he probably will be the number one option in this offense. Um, and then the, the tight end situation is a mess. I'm sort of just avoiding that altogether. Um, but yeah, with everything in flux right now, it's, you know, T Y Hilton wouldn't surprise me if he misses more than half the season, which does help, you know, clear up this, this target share, but it's still messy. Um, so it's just Pittman for me right now. Yeah. So I know you read the article in the athletic about the the Bengals and how they want to get 50 catches for five guys. Uh, I, did you read the one where the Colts said they're essentially, they don't want to have anyone getting a lot of targets. Like they just want to kind of spread the ball around. Cause well, that, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's tough. That's how I'm projecting them. And uh, Mike Strachan. Oh yeah. He's been Strachan. flashing. 
he was really good in preseason, so he made the team. He may sneak in there, but again, this isn't – unless you're in a really, really, really deep league that starts five receivers, these aren't really guys um, you need to be focused on now. Maybe in season, if, you know, one or two of these guys get gets hurt, sure. But right now, again, it's really just Pittman or bust for me. Yeah, same here. And I don't, I don't, I'm not even that bullish on Pittman. And I love Pittman as a player, yeah. but I have him at wide receiver 54 and a half PPR. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you're not really getting any value when because he, he usually goes a little earlier than that uh, in terms of receiver ADP. So uh, not too much I'm seeing here. Then the rookie Kywin Granson looks like he's going to take the Trey Burton role. So it'll be like a true three way committee at tight end. Yeah. Uh, Taylor is he's my running back eight. Where where you got Taylor? I have him RB ten, but honestly, like. Eight to eleven, I feel like you can make a case for or against them being ranked in any different order. So he's he's a guy that I've um, you know been moving up a little bit now that it looks like Quentin Nelson is I think a lock to play week one now. Um, Carson Wentz is trending that direction, so I'm more comfortable taking Taylor you know in that range. But again, it this is the range where I'll take whoever falls to me. Um, give me any four of these guys in this range, and I'll be fine. Jacksonville Jaguars, who's the best receiver value there? Is it Chark, Chenault, or Marvin Jones? They all go in that wide receiver three range. Uh, I have Chark 34, Chenault 35, Jones 39. Yeah, I think Chark probably has the higher ceiling, uh, but I'm not getting him as much. And, you know, I was getting Marvin Jones – back in like May or June when his ADP was like wide receiver 65. Um, so his ADP is much closer to my rank now around like wide receiver 48. I would say the guy that I'm the most bullish on is LaVisca Chenault, especially after the Travis Etienne injury. Um, they cut Colin Johnson. They cut Philip Dorsett. Not that those guys really. They uh, probably weren't vaccinated. Oh, really? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no I'm That's, just, yeah, I think they just joking. I don't know. But they, um, they, so they had Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew, who was a former cornerback. Um, he's making, like, he, he's going to play. He's going to be active every week. Yeah. Well, it's, they don't have anything behind them. Like the, the tight ends, it's almost like the Patriots situation for tight end. I can't imagine. They got Tyron. They just got Tyron. Johnson. Exactly. I was going to yeah. say. So now they, they do have uh, semi quality wide receiver four, but either way, I think they're going to just manufacture targets for Chenault. Yep. But I love his upside. Um, you know, he's he's one of those players I think he can make a really big year two leap. So despite his ADP being pretty high, and I, I kind of pegged him as being a sort of a low ceiling player, I've, I've backed off that a bit. I think he does have wide receiver two potential if, you know, they do manufacture as many targets as I think they will for him. So he's the guy I'm interested in the most out of this trio. And don't forget, he had 14 uh, – no, he had 18 carries last year. So yep. that's it's well within the range of outcomes for him to even get as high as like – a Curtis Samuel or a Cordero Patterson, you know, get into that like 30, 40 carry range. And he's very explosive. I mean, I, I loved him coming out of school. He just can, he can take any pass to the house. He looked good in preseason. He looked like a true receiver, not just like a gadget guy. Uh, so yeah, I, I, Chenault, it's Chenault for me too. Again, just when in doubt target these year two breakouts, because that's where you tend to beat ADP the most. Like, it, you know, chart could be a little bit of a value, Jones could be a little bit of a value, but Chenault is the guy who I think really could be a league winner. So yep. uh, he's a guy for me. And then I have, you, you said you have James Robinson, what, like 12th? I have him, I have him RB 16 and half PPR right now. You have yeah, him I higher, right? 
I, I've been fiddling around with projections, obviously, the past 24 hours. And I think he's in that RB15 range for me mm-hmm. now. Okay. Um, yeah, RB16. So in that Chris Carson, yeah, so we're right Edward there. Hilaire tier, yeah. Yeah, I think I have Robinson one spot ahead of Carson. But uh, don't mind any of them. If you need to take a running back in that range, I don't tend to do that too much because I really like uh, going wide receiver in rounds three, four, five, almost regardless of what I did in rounds one and two. Like it's, if I, if I got receivers early, then I'm just going zero running back. If uh, you know, if I got two running backs early, then great. Then I'll just get my three receivers. If I got a stud tight end, then I'll just kind of go hero running back uh, and take a, uh, you know, wait, because I just love the receiver value in three, four, five. So I'm not getting too much Robinson or, or those guys, but I, I certainly, I think he has a high floor and a talented player. So um, it should get a, should, should get a ton of work. I'm not concerned with Hyde too much at, being at this stage of his career. Uh, let's go to the Tennessee Titans. And the question for the Titans uh, is Julio Jones. Where did you, where are you ending up with him uh, ranked heading into the year? Yeah, he's, he's really tricky to um, not project, but to rank because right now I'm projecting him um, to miss a half a game more than your average receiver. So most receivers I have projected for 15.9 games. So they're projected to miss. Is that, uh, is that like 15 divided into 16 times 17? Uh, not sure how you got to that. Oh yeah. 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 So typically it's one game. So they get an additional point one. Yes, you're correct. (laughs) Yeah. I knew that. Um, I knew that Matt, like this, that's how much I'm like, you know, we, we see we're in these (laughs) spreadsheets all the time. I'm like, it's like comes naturally to me now. I'm like, Oh, Sean has, cause I just do 16 straight up kind of like a median. (laughs) Um, but like I, I I saw the 15.9 and I'm like, (laughs) I'm trying, you know, I try to do the math in my head just cause that's just what I do. And uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I bet it's 15 into 16. Got me. And it it doesn't matter (laughs) because it's for everybody. Yeah. So for reference, um, you know, I have Julio Jones at 15.3, but how do you Um, get to that? Like, how do you do is That's just, like, how do you more, get to 15.3? It's more of an art than a science. And okay. I'm trying to get him ranked where I would draft him. That's the ultimate ah, goal, right? Gotcha. So, you know, he's been dealing with injuries all camp. He hasn't practiced much. I'm not too worried about that. Whenever he is on the field, I mean, he's elite. I, my wide receiver one projections, he's, he's wide receiver 10. So, I mean, when he's in the lineup, he's going to give you points. So that's why, you know, I would draft him higher than wide receiver 20 because we talk about all the time. It's about usable games. Um, when Julio Jones is out of the lineup, you know not to play him and you replace him with somebody else. That's sort of valuable knowing that he's going to provide you really high-end wide receiver two value at a cheaper price. So I would probably draft him in the wide receiver 15 to 16 range. That's why I'm saying my projections versus my rank where I draft him is a little bit tricky. I think he's a guy that you're going to draft earlier because he has a higher ceiling um, and you know, injuries are not predictable. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to miss. Well, then you should, then game. you should move him back to 15.9. <laughs> well, then he'll be like, wide receiver <laughs> nine, and that's way too early. So I, I just think wide receiver 20, that range, if he falls there, I'm taking him every time, but certainly you can take him in the wide receiver 15, 16 range, which I've seen you do. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So you're pretty high on him too, right? I actually have him the same as you like wide receiver 21, but again, it's all about tears for me. And I love all of those receivers going around three through five. I don't really discriminate on any of them except maybe chase. Cause I, I just feel like he goes a little too early. Um, I think it's a, it's a better strategy uh, just looking back at, at past history and bus rates and things like that. Um, you're going to get more value, more bang for your buck 
drafting wide receivers uh, in that range. Cause remember the, you know, a top 10 running back, we're not even talking top five, but a top 10 running back, the median ADP that, that they've been gone by um, is, is 19th overall. So, you know, once you get past that, you know, high end RB, you know, that running back one tier essentially, which is pretty deep this year. Cause I think it extends to Mixon and Harris and guys like that. But once you get past those guys, um, you know, I think you're just really kind of shooting for running back two ceilings. Whereas like Julio Jones, as you alluded to, he could be a wide receiver one that you're getting at wide receiver 15 to 20. So yeah, um, yeah like Julio draft him a ton uh, because he does tend to slip to me in the, the fourth round quite often. I will say if, if you've never owned Julio ever in fancy, uh, if you don't like headaches, don't draft Julio because every week, every week, he's just a nightmare. He's always questionable game time decision. And you know that if he plays, you, you have to play him like he's sort of difficult to own. But when he does play, he's a slam dunk almost every time. But I will caution people that have never owned him that he is a headache to own. Yeah, I mean, he's out of Atlanta, though, so that he might actually like care more now because that was his whole thing. He was just oh. like done with the Falcons. I, I like he kind of soured on. Uh, Arthur Blank and everyone, he just never wanted to practice and kind of was like looking out for him, his himself. But um, maybe maybe you get a better attitude out of Julio. So yeah, like Julio a lot. Is uh, where just curious, where do you have Ferkser? I have him at twenty two. I just don't know if he gets enough snaps because he doesn't block at all uh, to truly be like a difference maker. Uh, do you have Do you have him higher or lower? I, well, I have him sixteen. Okay, um, and that's because of the bloodbath happening at tight end right now. So he leapfrogged Troutman. He leapfrogged Irv Smith, obviously, um, and I think I even bumped uh, Evan Ingram down quite a bit. So he leapfrogged him. So that's why, just by default, he's moved up to sixteen. Um, by no means is he a slam dunk, but he is one of my favorite like low end tight end two flyers I've been taking. Because he is, you know, taking over the John U. Smith role, apparently. So I just think he does have a higher floor um, than other guys in this range. But yeah, like he's tight end 16 by default just for moving up because of these injuries. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can take over because the John U. Smith role involved a ton of blocking, which I just, I don't know. I mean, this guy blocked on like 2% of his route or 3% of his routes in his career. So I, I just, I think there's a low floor. Like I, I just don't end up getting him, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause he's usually gone like by the time I'm drafting. So um, yeah, I guess I'm lower on him than consensus. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the AFC West. We got the Chiefs starting probably McCole Hardman along with, you know, Tyreek Hill and then, you know, Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson will be that number three. So uh, Hardman, I think is the tough guy to rank because you never quite know, is he going to be like a true starting wide receiver? Or is he still going to sub out a lot? And, you know, guys like Robinson are going to beat him in, in routes run. So where do you have Hardman ranked? Yeah. So he's similar to Julio Jones where I'd probably draft him higher than where I have him ranked. Um, I think, you know, I have a ranked wide receiver 58 range, um, but this is the range where you want to go for upside. And he absolutely has that. Like he has wide receiver three upside. And if Terry Hill were to ever miss time, I think he has wide receiver two upside. Um, you know, he's struggled in camp. He, uh, you know, he's still pretty raw as a receiver, which is disappointing. This, you know, late in his career, he's entering year three. So I was hoping he'd be a little bit more polished, but you can't deny the upside. And he's one of those guys where if he, if he busts, he's not going to kill you in this range. You're, you're just drafting a guy that's going to be on your bench anyway. So that's why I'm okay drafting him, 
you know, around the wide receiver 50 range, because for me, it's all about upside and potentially being Patrick Holmes, number three target, you know, that's, that's too good to pass up. So I think he is still worth drafting at ADP. Yeah. I have him at wide receiver 56, but I would also take him a little higher uh, than that. Denver Cortland Sutton looks like he's going to be healthy after all he played in the preseason. Uh, he had been having a, a rough camp, but uh, I think health is the important thing with him. Jerry, Judy, and Sutton tend to go around somewhat the same time. Um, Judy, a little bit earlier, he climbs into the the low-end wide receiver two rank sometimes. But who do you think is a better value at ADP, knowing that Sutton should be on the field week one? Is it Judy or Sutton? Um, so it's this is less about like not liking Sutton. I think Sutton's a good receiver. He definitely has a high ceiling. But I've been all about Jerry, Judy all offseason. Um, I was targeting him heavily when he was like wide receiver 37. Now he's all the way up to like, like you said, like a low end wide receiver two. I've seen his ADP climb up to about wide receiver 27. Um, and I, I would still consider him there. I think he's uh, just a massive, massive breakout candidate uh, having a year two leap. I mean, he was good as a rookie, but he had so many things going against him last year. Uh, I already mentioned he had the 13 drops. That's not a sticky stat. I, I expect him to improve on that. I think having Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback may help, you know, see more catchable passes. Um, he had lousy touchdown luck. Uh, he had zero touchdown receptions on seven end zone targets. So, you know, he's due for positive regression there. And like I mentioned, you know, the poor quarterback play last year should only get better this year. So I think he will see more catchable balls. That's why I think Judy's just a massive year two breakout candidate. And I still like getting him even at wide receiver 27. Yeah, I have Judy at 31 and Sutton at 33. So uh, a lot of the value has kind of been taken out of Judy for me. But uh, but now I think, yeah, I think Judy has the higher ceiling and Sutton has a lower floor because you're running routes with a guy like Judy who gets probably going to get more separation and get open more. Uh, KJ Hamler's a guy who can create some mm-hmm. some separation. And you're also going to be, we don't know how many pass attempts they're going to have Vic Fangio defensive-minded coach. Uh, they should be really good on defense. So uh, I think Judy is definitely the pick for me uh, uh, in those guys. And and at running back, uh, I like Javante Williams. I have him at 24. And I think I've been getting a lot of Gordon too, who I think is, it's still going to be close to a 50-50 for most of the year. I think, you know, Williams, I do have him getting more usage. That's why I have him up to 24. I think he'll, he'll actually play a lot in the pass game. I think they like him there. But uh, I still have Gordon at 33. So mm-hmm. essentially like one of the top, you know, RB3s. Um, so just what do you think uh, of Gordon this year? <laughs> yeah, that, I would call that a practical pick, um, which there's certain nothing wrong with that. You don't like draft Mel, Melvin Gordon show your friends like, hey, look at my team. I got Melvin Gordon, but I, I'm with you. Like I still have projected right there at RB30. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that his value will probably peak at the beginning of the season. So if you're hurting at running back, and you know you need like a week one to five starter, definitely target a guy like Melvin Gordon. Um, he probably won't win your league, but it probably means you're stacked at the other position, so you'll be fine. And then you can stash guys like a Trey Sermon or Michael Carter on your bench in the meantime. But I think, yeah, definitely taking Melvin Gordon can be part of a winning draft strategy. Yeah, and there's really nothing behind those two guys. So I think the plan is for those guys to – split reps all year. You know, they, that was Philip Rinsey's role last year. It's just that he got hurt so much, but you know, Gordon would get like 14 carries and Rinsey would get 10 and this should be a run heavy team. So there should be enough carries 
uh, to go around. We don't really expect Bridgewater or Locke to run a lot. So uh, I think they're both high floor picks. Uh, don't mind either of them. For the Chargers, uh, I think the interesting question is, you know, Justin Herbert goes ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Jalen Hurts uh, a lot of the time. Uh, should he be? Because for me, it's no. I, I just, I mean, I love him, but I just think those guys with Brady and Rodgers, like we've seen that elite, elite passing upside, and then with Hurts, he has that like more rushing upside. So it's hard for me to justify Herbert over those three guys. Uh, what about you? Yeah, he's interesting because obviously, I think he's you know one of the most talented up and coming quarterbacks. But uh, I do agree that his ADP is probably too high. I'm I'm avoiding this tier in most drafts. Um, but you already mentioned, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, probably they, they most certainly have a higher floor, but it's not like their ceiling is lower than Herbert. They all kind of have a similar ceiling. So that's why if you're going to go with the QB in this range, why not go with an Aaron Rodgers or even Tom Brady? Um, and then if you're going for just insane ceiling, like QB one overall ceiling um, and willing to take some risk, go with Jalen Hurts. So, you know, Justin Herbert's the kind of guy that doesn't really fit in any of those draft strategies. So I do agree that he's probably being drafted too early. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he has like 48 touchdown four interception or whatever it was yeah. for Rogers <laughs> ceiling. I don't know if he has like Brady, like Peyton Manning second year in Denver ceiling. Yep. And he doesn't have like the 700 plus rushing yard ceiling a hurt. So it's, you know, if he was going in that range where, okay, whoever falls to me, then I'd be fine with it. Cause I think he's kind of a mix of everything and just a, a guy that should play well and, and is a great quarterback. But um, the fact that he a lot of times goes ahead of those guys. Yeah. I don't, I don't really get too much of him. So, uh, you know, hoping that he doesn't completely go off and destroy that, but I usually do. I am, I'm not avoiding this tier at all because, uh, I think there's a bigger drop off after that, uh, aside from Tannehill, who's pretty underrated, uh, you're going to get, then you're talking about a lot of pocket passers or like a really risky rushing guy like Daniel Jones. So, um, yeah, I tend to, I don't like to let a, like anyone pass hurts go off the board before I've drafted a quarterback. Like I want to have somebody in that top 10 uh, Raiders, Josh Jacobs versus Kenyon Drake. Who's the better value there. Uh, Jacobs has been slipping sometimes into the sixth round, but Drake still can be had, you know, ninth, 10th round. Uh, who's the better value. The better value is probably Kenyon Drake, but it's hard to get too excited over either one. Um, so in those situations, I, I tend to prefer the the guy with the lower ADP. Uh, I think Drake could provide, you know, weekly flex RB3 value when we get these heavy bye weeks or, you, you know, you have injuries on your team. And then he has that RB2 upside if Josh Jacobs were to ever miss time. And, you know, I think he he basically robs Jacobs of his RB1 ceiling. Um, so that's why I think Jacobs the kind of guy where if he falls you at the end of the RB2 tier, I'm okay taking him. But he just scares me because, you know, he's limited in the receiving game. Uh, Drake might steal some of the goal line work. It, there's so much uncertainty that in these situations, like I said, I, I tend to prefer the cheaper guy, and that's Drake here. Yeah, I, I actually like Jacobs just given how much he slipped because I still – I don't think much has changed there. I mean, remember, Jacobs was never a pass-catching back, and there usually was two running backs. It was usually Richard and – uh, you know, like a Booker or a Washington. Yeah. Richard is starting the year banged up. He's been getting phased out. So it's probably going to be Drake more so inheriting what used to be kind of split between Richard and another back. I don't think Jacob's role really changes that much. And he was, he has been an RB one 
with the low passing game usage. So I actually think he's a, a very good value. I still have him ranked right in that middle tier of RB twos at, at RB 15 and half PPR. And that's what not giving him much receiving uh, production at all, because I still think he gets his, you know, 16 carries per game. That was his, that was his median last year. His average was actually 18.2 per game. So I have some regression there and, uh, and, and he still projects pretty highly. So you said RB 15 and half PPR. Yep. Nice. Uh, I have him RB 18. So yeah, if, if his ADP is RB 20 or if he falls there, uh, usually does you're getting him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that that's fine. Uh, who do you have? Do you have you obviously have Swift below him. I have I have Swift below him. I have him right there with Robinson, uh, t- kind of tied essentially. And then uh, I think Edwards Ware is like right above him. Carson is also right, right in there in that same range. So, okay, it's so like you, have Carson, you have Carson ahead of Josh. Jacobs? I think I think one spot behind him. Oh, okay. Oh no, it's Jacobs have... Robinson Carson. Jacobs Robinson Carson. So yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I have, and again, this is all. There's essentially tides. It's not yeah, like. They're all... They're all the same, but I have Carson RB 14. That's how much I love him. And that's why I get him in every draft. So, Oh yeah. I have no problem taking Carson. (laughs) I just think Jacobs, it's like he projects the same and yet we're so down on him compared to those other guys. Can we at least appreciate this RB two tier? I hate when people call this the dead zone last year, this was Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, who else was here? Just, you know, garbage. And this year, I think all these guys, have upside. So I'm not calling this the dead zone or the frozen pond. Yeah. I've noticed that. I think teams are getting smarter too. It just like a lot of those guys aren't, they're just not on teams this year, like Adrian Peterson and, <laughs> yeah. you know, girly, like it's girly. like these teams just aren't rostering these guys. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think we're overestimating Jacob's demise. Yeah. The offensive line shouldn't be as good, but the Raiders offense is going to be built around giving Jacobs, you know, 15 plus carries. Uh, a game and and that's there's still a lot of work for drake to be had so i like him too i get him a lot i have him at 37 so yeah it's it, that's it, i like them you know a lot more than the wide receivers you know waller obviously is a tight end too but uh, i think the running backs in vegas should be values they're all in our fantasy tool and uh so yeah go check it out actionnetwork.com don't forget to also download the award-winning Action Network app. And you can follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can follow me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles in the Action app as well. Also, don't forget to rate and review the pod. We're on a new feed. So we can give you guys five episodes a week during the regular season. So uh, definitely subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, we got some winners for our uh contest you know we promised if you guys rated and reviewed the show we were going to give you some free swag so yeah so uh sean we got a couple more uh winners that we're going to give some free swag to who are our lucky winners uh this week so our winners this week are t stein 789 and shane ohoff t stein 789 and shane ohoff congratulations please contact podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize as podcasts at actionnetwork.com all right that is going to do it for us for this episode until next week let's get this money